Well, good morning. Um, I hope you're having a good morning. I hope you're excited about the rest of the day and the rest of the week. And I'm looking forward to being able to share with you um, this morning a little bit about as we head into the Passion Week. Um, some of you may have heard that phrase before. You may have known or are familiar with what the Passion Week is and um, what it's all about. But if you're not, um, let me just tell you a little bit about what the Passion Week means. And basically, it comes from the last week of Jesus Christ and the last week that he lived here on this earth prior to his crucifixion. And it's called the Passion Week because it's demonstrative of the passion that Christ has for people and the fact that he loves people so much. Ultimately on Friday, um, as we remember the crucifixion and the fact that he laid down his life for my sin and for the sins of the world. And there's a lot of different things that happen over the course of the Passion Week. Um, some of you, if you come from a background, you know Good Friday is the day in which uh, we remember his death. Easter Sunday is the day in which we remember the resurrection. Um, some of you may have heard a phrase called Maundy Thursday, which is the remembrance of the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples and the night in which he was betrayed. But there's a lot of different things that happen over the course of the Passion Week. And the first day of the Passion Week is the, the Sunday, the day that we're here today. And most commonly, that day is called Palm Sunday. And it's interesting as we think about Palm Sunday and what it means and what it looks like. And there you see up on the screen um, what, what, a, what a representation may have been and what it possibly may have looked like as people greeted Jesus. And here's what's going on in the context of the Passion Week and in Palm Sunday specifically. Jesus is getting ready to enter the city of Jerusalem as he's living the last week of his life. And understand he's had a public ministry for about three years and he's been telling people that this day is coming, the day is coming, the day is coming. And finally, he comes to Jerusalem and he's entering the city getting ready to prepare for the last few days of his life. Now, in the gospel accounts, the, the story of Palm Sunday is recorded in all four gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there are not a lot of stories from the life of Christ that are recorded in all four, but this is one of the few that is actually in all four accounts of the gospel. And this morning, if you have a Bible, <clears throat> excuse me, if you have a Bible or an electronic device, I want to encourage you to turn to the first gospel, the gospel according to Matthew, as we look at this exchange and this, this event that happens as Jesus comes into Jerusalem. I think it's there at the top of your notes, plus we will have it up here on the screens. And notice what it says. It says, They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So basically what you have is the people started to fill the streets, just like that picture showed at the beginning, as Jesus made his way to the city and started working his way through the city, riding on a donkey. They were celebrating and they were shouting and they were proclaiming all these things as Christ made his way into the city. A lot of times it's called the triumphal entry. Jesus rode in triumphantly as he came into Jerusalem for the last week of his life. Now, as we look at this and as we begin to kind of break it down and process it, there's a few things that we want to look at. And the, the first thing I want to look at today is the fact of that they were saying Hosanna. They were calling out Hosanna and they were proclaiming um, that Jesus was coming in as the son of David and they were saying Hosanna. Well, what does Hosanna mean? 
Hosanna historically meant that God would save, that God is going to save, that, that, that there was a hopeful anticipation that he was going to do something and that they were proclaiming praise in advance of, of believing what he was going to do. Over time, the word actually began to shift because when David used the word, he would say it immediately after that prayer. He'd be calling out to God and say, God, I need you to come through. Hosanna, which means God you're saving me. God, you are saving. It was a, a shift from a hope to an absolute confident expectation. And um, you might imagine this. If you, if you watch football, and let's say, let's say your team is, is, is you're, you're down at Dolphin Stadium, and, and the stadium is filled up, and, and they're playing the, the Patriots, and um, let's say the Dolphins punt because it's fourth down, and they can't get any first down, so they're punting, Right? And the Patriots are back there, and they're fielding, and they field the punt. And the guy comes through, and he breaks a couple tackles and gets through the initial line, and he breaks for the sidelines. And he's going up the sidelines. And half of the fans in Dolphin Stadium are saying, somebody go get him, somebody go get him, somebody go get him. And the other half in the stadium are saying, ah, he's got him, he's got him, he's got him. See, half of the stadium wants one of the Dolphins to go and knock him out of bounds or tackle him or bring him down or create a fumble or whatever it may be. The other half is absolutely confident that there's no way this guy is going to get in the end zone and one of our players is going to keep him from doing it. That's kind of what the whole idea of Hosanna is. One idea is that we hope it happens. We're looking forward to it happen. The other half of them says, this has already happened. So as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, they're calling upon him to tackle the guy who's running away with the football. Not really, but you get the idea. People, half of them are saying, Hosanna, we sure hope that this is finally what we've been waiting for. And the other half is saying, absolutely, this is the one who's come in the name of the Lord. This is the son of David. This is the one who's going to save us, the long-awaited Messiah. So that's what they're saying as they shout, Hosanna. The next thing that you notice here is the fact that he rode on a donkey. Now, donkeys don't have a really good reputation. Um, you know, I didn't tell this story in the first service because my wife was here, um, but, I, um, but I'll tell it here in the second service. And please don't tell her I told you the story. But um, there, there, there is occasion when, when someone will, will not be driving very well, and my wife will, you know, say, oh, that donkey. And she really says donkey. She doesn't use the other word. She, she really says donkey. Well, that's great and that's fun, except for when you have a three-year-old who picks up on those things. And so the first time it ever happened, she goes, Mommy, what do you mean donkey? And she goes, Grace, that man was just driving like a donkey. And Grace just cracked up and she cackled and she just would just, just, she thought that was the funniest thing. So the other day, I'm with Grace and I'm driving along and, and somebody cut me off and I didn't say anything, but, you know, I had to put on the brakes pretty quick and all that. And from the back seat, I hear, Daddy, was he a donkey? <laughs> yes, Grace, he was a donkey. So what was the point of the story? Oh, yeah, that's right. Donkey doesn't necessarily have a very good connotation in today's culture. But back then, the donkey was an animal of prestige, believe it or not. I mean, we look at the life of Christ and how the, you know, the, the birth story of Jesus shows that a donkey was there. Then we look at the story of him riding in triumphantly on a donkey. A donkey was ridden by kings and by those who had wealth and by those who were in positions of authority. Did you know that kings rode into towns on two different animals? They either rode on a donkey or a horse. They rode in a horse if they were coming in as a military hero. If they were coming in to kind of say, look, this is my tank. This is my military vehicle. I'm coming in as this. They rode in on a donkey if they were coming in peace. 
They rode in on a donkey if they were to say, this is a time of peace. I'm still the king. I'm still in authority. But this is a time where we're not at war. And Jesus, as the king of kings, rode in on a donkey to usher in an era and a time of peace. So here he comes in, receiving the praises of people, riding in on a donkey, and being able to display for people who are watching that the Messiah had come. There's one other thing as a part of this story that I want to look at today. And that's the fact that people did something as he was coming in. You saw up there on the picture at the very beginning that there were palm branches on the ground. And some people were waving palm branches. And the point of this was the fact that people were throwing things on the ground so that he wouldn't have to walk on the ground, but instead, as the king, as the Messiah, he was able to be honored, that he was exalted, and that he didn't have to go through the dirt road. But they threw palm branches down to cover it. They didn't just throw palm branches. In fact, they also threw coats. They actually took off the outer garment, and they would throw it on the ground. And that's where I want to kind of spend the rest of our morning here together is to talk about the difference and talk about the comparison, looking at palm branches versus coats. Palm branches versus coats. Because it's really interesting when you begin to look at all four accounts of the gospel, how this story has been, I don't want to say changed, but what's been highlighted over the years. Did you know that in the gospel, according to John, in John chapter 12, and this is where the progression, you're going to see what happens here. In John chapter 12, when John talks about the triumphal entry, he talks about how people went and got palm branches and spread them out on the ground. In the gospel, according to, um, to Mark, he actually says that what people did here is that a lot of people put their coats on the ground. Many spread their cloaks on the ground, and other people got branches from a tree. Doesn't even mention palm branches. He just talks about branches in general. Then you get to Matthew, the passage that we read um, at the beginning of the service here. is It says, most of the crowd put their cloaks on the ground, while a few put branches down. And when you get to Luke, in the gospel according to Luke, in Luke chapter 19, Luke doesn't even mention palm branches. Luke just says people put their coats on the ground. So, today, I stand here as the defender of coats. For too many years, palm branches have got all the attention. For too many years, the palm branch, which is only mentioned once, has gotten all the publicity and all the things, and, and, and those who grow palm trees have made millions of dollars and have gotten rich, and those who make coats have just fallen into the dark shadows. Today is no longer Palm Sunday. Today is Coat Sunday. I declare it from here forth. We shall go. But think about it. When you read the gospel accounts, why is it that we focus on Palm Sunday? Why is it that it's palms that get all the attention? Yeah, sure, they threw their palms on the ground. But three of the accounts mention coats. And one of them doesn't mention palms at all. And yet we call it Palm Sunday. Today we're going to look at the differences, maybe even some similarities between palm branches and coats. That's going to be our focus as we do it here this morning. Um, sorry, let me turn the page here. I want to do a little bit of, uh, of an illustration a little bit that's hopefully going to help you understand this. But before we get there, I want to talk about some symbolism and what's the significance of each of these. Let's talk about palm branches for a little bit. What is the symbol of the palm branch? Why is it important? 
The palm branch signifies victory. In, in, in olden days, in that time, during the Roman days, what they would do is they, the, the, the one who competed in games, if they won, they would receive a, a palm branch. Or those who competed um, militarily, when they, when they came back, they would be celebrated with palm branches. So the palm branch was a symbol of victory. So as Jesus is coming in, the, the symbol that they're issuing shows that it's a victorious entrance. That's why it's called the triumphal entry. The second symbol is geared around the coat. The coat was much more significant than just saying it's a jacket or just saying that it's a sweatshirt or an outer garment. You see, here's the importance of the coat. The coat was almost your identity. It was the thing that you had above anything else. You know the story when Jesus says, if someone comes and asks for your shirt, give them the coat too, kind of go the extra mile. Why was that so significant? Why was that so important? Here's why. In that time, if you were in debt and couldn't pay your debt back, they had a debtor's prison. You went to prison. In fact, it might be possible that your children and family would be sold into slavery to the one that you owe the debt so that they could work to pay it off. And while you're in prison, you're working to pay off your debt. They took everything that you owned. Every single thing that you owned, including, you know, the relationships with your family would be out of their home and everything else. Everything they would take except for one thing your coat. So why is it when they come to collect your, do your debt, they take everything but your coat? Because your coat was a part of who you are. It was a part of your identity. For those that would travel, the coat was more than just a jacket. It was sometimes a blanket. Sometimes it would be a pillow. It was always with them and always a part of who they are. It was the most important thing that they owned, their coat. And so understand that when people are putting palm branches down, they're saying that Jesus comes in as, as a victor. When they put their coat down, they're saying that I'm willing to give up that which is most important to me, to usher in his presence into the city, to bring in the Messiah into the presence of our lives. There are some similarities between palm branches and coats. Understand this. The first thing is, is that as they're similar, both are good. Both are good things to show and to demonstrate. You're giving up something. You're, you're, you're being sacrificial and you're making an investment. Both things are good things. One symbolizes victory. The other symbolizes your willingness to sacrifice. Both are good. The second thing that they have in common is that both honor God. Both of them honor God. In the instance of the palm branches, they're waving them, saying, Hosanna, they're ushering in the son of David. They're trying to give honor to God because he's finally come to rescue them. For waiting such a long time, it's finally happened. And so they're seeking to honor God by waving their palm branches, by spreading their coats on the ground. And the third thing is, is that both require an investment. Both of them require an investment. From the palm tree, it requires energy and time. You've got to go out, you've got to find the right tree, you've got to find the right branch, you've got to climb up, you've got to cut it down. It requires energy and effort. There's an investment in order to get a palm branch. With the coat, you're giving up the thing that means most to you, the, the one earthly possession that you value above all others, and you're willing to lay that down. They both require an investment, but in that investment lies the greatest difference between the two. The greatest difference between palm branches and coats is this. One requires more than the other. One requires more than the other. Think about the symbolism. They both have great symbols as they serve as victory or as, as my greatest possession. 
They both require some level of investment. But the amount of investment, the level of investment, is what's different. One requires more than the other. Think about the idea of the coat, and the one thing that you're allowed to keep when you're in debt is the one thing you choose to put down on the ground versus the palm branches. And if you go back and you actually look and understand the context of the story, most people didn't even take palm branches from their own trees. They just went over to the guys who's on the side of the road and climbed his tree and cut his branches down. Now, that guy may have needed to trim the lines back so the power lines could get through, but he wasn't looking for anybody to cut down his tree, but that's where they went. They didn't even take it from their own property. They took it from somebody else. If I could illustrate, I, I just want to try to, this morning, try to do some illustration to be able to help you understand the difference and the significance between these two different types of items. You see, it's one thing for me to go outside and get a palm branch, right? It's easy for me to do. It's sitting right out there. didn't even come from my tree. Um, we have a great tree service, and Frank Barkley does an amazing job. But I was able just to go and to get this, and, you know, it didn't cost me really anything. Just went right out there and got it. So if I put that down on the ground and I set it there, and matter of fact, Mark, would you come here for a second? Mark's one of our growth group leaders and a um, friend of mine and, really invested in me personally. I just want you to walk all over that palm branch. Just take some time and just walk all over it. There you go. Nice little circle. Good job. That, that was fantastic. That was great. All right, now there's another thing I need you to do. Okay. I want you to do the same thing on my coat. Okay. Well, you said okay pretty quickly there. I mean, that was... Are you sure? I, I put it down there. It's in the exact same location. It's not any different than the palm branch. Now, question for you. No, that, that, that's kind of weak. I'm just going to be honest with you, all right? <laughs> now, with the palm branch, you were like doing a little Irish jig and everything on it, right? But with my coat, you like stepped gingerly, one foot and all that. Why did you do the difference between the two? That's a really nice coat, and I know it means a lot to you. Yeah, but I didn't ask you to do that. I want you to do the same thing on the jacket that you did on the palm branch. Are you sure? <laughs> I mean, I can Look, um, Amy's not going to be mad at me, is she? We're on a time schedule okay, here, Mark. Come on, let's go. Yeah, you don't have to wipe your feet with it, but I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Well, that's my jacket he just danced on, and you're clapping for him. I don't, I'm not, not sure how that works out, right? You, you, now you kind of get the picture, right? For me, just to go outside and pull a palm branch that, that Andy had already pre-cut for me and set up there as a prop, right? For me, just to go out there to grab it, to throw it down, for him to dance on it, not a big deal. So what? It happens. I drive over palm branches every day if they're in the road. But when you see my jacket down there, you're probably thinking, is he really going to do this? I mean, you should have seen Mark's face. If you couldn't see his face, he's kind of looking at me like, I know this is going to have a point, but I'm not sure I want to do this. And he even asked, are you sure? You see, in his mind, no big deal to step on the palm branch. Doesn't require very much. But when the coat goes down, he's thinking, costs a lot more. It's a lot nicer. I'm not sure I should really be doing this. The floor's dirty already, and now he wants me to put my feet on it. So he went, and he just gingerly stepped one foot and over. And then I challenged him to go and do, you know, the same thing that he did before. And he did that, and then he did a whole bunch of other stuff on there in addition to it. But you begin to understand the sacrifice. You begin to, to see the difference between a palm branch that I didn't even do anything to grow. 
I didn't do anything to plant. I didn't do anything to harvest. It cost me nothing. Now, it was a good thing that I put it down so he could walk across. It honored God in my effort to lay it down so that Christ could come into the city. But it didn't really cost me nearly as much as when I put my coat on the ground for him to walk across. And not only was it just, you know, here we had Mark as a single individual who was willing to, to do that and to walk on that. But now you think about the hundreds of people that would come. The hundreds of people that would come in and, and be behind Christ or be with Christ. The, the, the people that ushered behind. Not to mention the fact that Jesus was riding on a donkey. Right? You know what happens with donkeys. Yeah, that's my coat. But they just did it. You see, they're both good, they both honor God, they both require an investment, but one of them costs more than the other. One of them requires more than the other. So the question I have for you today is this. The first question I have is, which one am I? Which one am I in my relationship with Christ, in my effort with the kingdom, in my responsibility to the local church, in, in my relationship with others, which one am I? Am I one who's willing to lay my coat down because it requires more, or am I content and happy just to put a palm branch down? And remember, the palm branch is good. Don't hear me saying that there's nothing required here because it is. I'm just saying the coat requires more. Which one am I? Remember this. When you start thinking about which one you are, remember this. That simple is not the same as easy. Simple is not the same as easy. The call of Christ on the disciples and the call of Christ on our lives is simple. It's follow me. When Jesus looked at the disciples, he simply said, follow me. He didn't give them a list of rules and regulations. He didn't have all this stuff laid out. It was simple. Follow me. But just because it was simple doesn't mean it was easy. Think about the call to salvation. When one crosses the line of faith, it's the call of salvation. It's simple. You have to admit and acknowledge that you've missed God's mark, that you've fallen short of his standard, that you're a sinner. It's simple because all you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that out of his love and because he first loved us, that he died on our behalf. It's simple because if you admit that and believe that and all you have to do is confess that he is your Savior, then you can be saved. It's simple, but it's not easy. Because now you have to turn and leave your old life behind. Now you have to turn and give up all your hopes and dreams and ambitions and submit to what he would have in your life. It's not easy, but it is simple. Consider some of the passages that you look through, and I'm just going to run through these real quickly. In Luke chapter 14, as Jesus was talking to his disciples, he says this, he says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and brothers and sisters and children, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He talks about bearing your cross and, and counting the cost. You see, God knew that it would cost something to follow him. It's not easy. In Luke chapter 9, some disciples came to him and said, hey, we're willing to follow you wherever you go. He goes, look, I don't even have a place to put my head at night. Some of them came and said, well, we want to we follow you, but I got to take care of some personal business first. And he says, don't even mess with coming back. Just go take care of your business because and, and, this isn't for you. He said, well, that doesn't sound very kind. Jesus never said that it was going to be easy. It's just simple. 
In Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, you know, you think of those great speeches by coaches, you know, win one for the Gipper and all this stuff and everything else. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gives what I call the worst motivational speech ever. He tells his disciples before he sends them out, look, you're going to be beaten. Look, you're going to be betrayed. Your brother is going to turn against you. People are going to kick you out of their house. You're going to be, rocks are going to be thrown at you. You're going to be yelled at and scourged and scorned. All these things, you're not going to have any place to put your head. And to boot, don't take any money with you. Don't take any luggage with you. Don't take anything. Whatever you have, go do it. All right, guys, let's go. Hands in. Like, really, is that exciting? That doesn't sound very good to me. And yet, this is what he promised them, that they would go out and they would do this on his behalf. It's simple, not easy. Think about the example of Christ. The Passion Week. Simple. He had one message. He talked about it at the beginning of his ministry. That he came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to, to, to give a sacrifice, to cover up my sin, your sin, all the world's sin. By giving of his life. A simple mission, but not easy. In the last week of his life, he would be betrayed by one of his friends, denied by another. He'd be beaten and scourged. He'd experience pain unspeakable. He'd be beaten so bad that you couldn't even recognize him as a human being. Ultimately, he would be crucified and executed for crimes he never even committed. Not easy. Not easy, but simple. The call on our life is similar. It's not easy, but it's simple. So when we think of it in the context of palm branches versus coats, which one are we? Which one do we offer up? Which one do we give? What does this mean for me as we look at this and we think about on this coat Sunday, what exactly it's going to be? And there's four questions I want us to ask as we think about the investment we have in our lives. Remembering that both are good, both honor God, both require some degree of investment. It's just that one requires more. The first question that we want to ask today is this, am I invested in inviting others? Am I invested in inviting others? Do I invite people to Christ? Do I invite people to church? When it comes to this area of my life, I buy more of a palm, breach, palm, palm branch kind of guy. Do I live my life in such a way, you know, that I'm a good guy, that, that I smile a lot, and that I, I don't say any bad words, that I am courteous and let people go, and, and I, I keep my fingers crossed, that maybe at some point, sometime, somebody's going to say, hey, there's something different about you. And you're willing to say, hey, let's grab a cup of coffee because I'd like to share what that is. That's a palm branch. It's good. It honors God. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But the code side of it would say, it's more than just living your life in such a way that people ask you a question. It's about being intentional and sharing with them. This is the most important thing in my life, my relationship with Christ. We're willing to spend hours on end each week to talk about our favorite television show, our favorite sports team. We talk about all these other things, but if Christ is the most important thing in our lives, we often don't spend much time talking about that. Being intentional in sharing, intentional in inviting others. That's the difference between being a coat and waving a palm branch. The second question we need to ask is, am I invested in growing personally? Am I invested in growing personally in my relationship with Christ? 
You see, we can have a palm branch mindset. We can say, look, I go to church. I'm here every Sunday. I give up golf. I give up going out on the boat. I give up going to the beach. I give up going to the whatever else you could do on a Sunday. I'm here. Look, that's great. It's good. It honors God. There's nothing wrong with that. That's fantastic. The question is, is are you willing to lay down a coat in your life? Are you willing to say, Sunday's not enough, but I'm going to take time each and every day to be in God's Word. I'm going to take time each and every day to pray. I'm going to take time each and every day and multiple times a day to make sure that I'm doing what the Father would want me to do. I'm going to journal. I'm going to write what he, te- what he says. You see, waving a palm branch is great. Laying down a coat requires more sacrifice. Another question we need to ask ourselves, am I invested in developing community? Am I invested in developing community? Basically, look, you're a palm branch. You hang out with people. That's great. You're not a hermit. You know, you don't use your introvert personality as an excuse to have nothing to do with nobody all the time. You actually hang out with people. You're social. That's great. That's good. That's fantastic. But let me ask you this, from a coat perspective, are you engaged in a small group of people sharing your burdens, praying for one another? The writer of Hebrews puts it this way, provoking one another to love and good works. Are you in that type of accountable relationship with other people that you're experiencing community at that depth and at that level? That's a question that only you can answer. And the fourth question is this, am I invested in serving others? Am I using my gifts, my talents, my abilities in serving others? You know, as a palm branch, you're, you, the, just a few weeks ago, we talked about the five pennies and putting them from one pocket to the other and doing nice things for people and that being a starting place and, and something you can do. You can smile to somebody. You can ask them, hey, how are you doing? And look them in the eyes. You can open the door for them. Let them go in front of you at Publix. There's different things that you can do to, 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 to wave a palm branch and, and to, to do good and to honor God and to do all that. But to put a coat on the ground and let somebody walk over it may be that you give an extra hour a week and you, desert, you serve in Discovery Land. Give an extra hour a week and be a part of the host team here at the church. Give a couple hours a month where maybe you're serving at, a, at an organization like First Care or Habitat for Humanity. Or maybe you're going into a public school and doing tutoring. Something that you're doing to serve others more than just doing something nice, but actually requiring more investment. Am I invested? And the reason this is so important, the reason this is so critical, remember that both are good. Remember that both honor God. Both require an investment, but they're different levels of investment. One of the things we're most excited about next week is is we've talked about the 50 days of transformation. And Dr. Ray talked about the journal a little bit ago as we talk about the 50 days that launch on Easter Sunday. You see, the reality is this, is that Easter changes everything. Because of the empty tomb, because Christ rose again from the dead, because of that, every area of our life is different. Because of the empty tomb, the way we think is different. The way we handle our money is different. The way we interact with other people is different. Because Christ rose again, our relationships and our emotions should be different because of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. And we're going to take 50 days to look at that change, what that means. Easter is not just a a single day. It's not just a single event, but it's something that goes through each and every minute of every one of our lives. How can we see the transformation power of Christ take place? 
So let's go back and look at two of those questions, specifically question number two. When we look at this and we begin to process, am I growing personally? This is a way for you to grow in that area. There's daily devotionals. You don't, you don't even have to do anything. You don't have to go out and buy, you know, a separate thing. You don't have to listen to anything else. You, you can go right here. And every day for 50 days, there are devotionals that you can go and write and journal and take notes. You can grow personally by doing something like this. The third question, we talked about, are you developing community? We're going to have growth groups that do nothing but transform for 50 days to see how God is going to use us together to work together, to change together. Maybe you're not connected to a growth group. This is a prime opportunity to jump in and to do that, to be able to go through this together. You see, it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm going to change. It's a palm branch. It's another thing to say, no, I'm really going to change, and I'm going to invest and I'm going to put out something, energy, effort, and resources, and I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to see that God really does transform every area of my life. Easter's coming up. Another way in which transformation can take place, another way in which you can, you know, step over and become someone that puts a coat down. Those cards that are on the back of the chair, give it to somebody this week. Every single Sunday, both services, we put a card in the back of those chairs. Every single Sunday, almost 90% of them stay right where they are. This week, let's empty the chairs. Let's just give all the cards away. Let's stop waving a palm branch and say, yeah, you know what? I may post something on Facebook about looking forward to church. And instead, I'm going to put down a coat and actually hand the card to someone and say, hey, will you join me this Sunday? Are we willing to, to cross the line of sacrifice and be able to invest more? Am I willing to be uber committed? It's not easy, but it's simple. If there's one main thing I want you to walk away with today, um, you know, usually I give you a, a sentence or a statement. Today, I'm giving you a question. Here's the one question I want you to, to consider and to walk away with today. It's this. Am I a chicken or a pig? Am I a chicken or a pig? And you may be sitting there saying, man, he's talked about, coats and palm branches all morning, and now he's switching to chickens and pigs. What, what is the deal? Some of you may be thinking, you know what? The guy next to me, he's a pig. Before you answer and before you start looking at others, I want you to take a look at this picture that's up on the screen. Now let me ask the question again. Are you a chicken or are you a pig? You see, both the chicken and the pig are contributing to breakfast. It's just one is more committed than the other. You see, they didn't get that in the first service. I had to break it down and explain it. You know, the chicken's just popping out eggs and the pig is just giving us the manna of bacon and its life and all that and everything. You see, there's clearly a difference of commitment level. Both are contributing. Both are good. Both are trying to honor. Both are making an investment. It's just the level of investment is different between the two. When it comes to your relationship with Christ, when it comes to your relationship with the church, when it comes to your relationship with others, when it comes to serving, my question is this. Are you a chicken? You're making an investment. You're making a contribution. You're there. It's good. We couldn't have a full breakfast without you. Or are you a pig? You're all out. You're absolutely 100% committed. You are all in. And whatever happens, happens. But that's okay.
because I'm making a difference. I'm making a contribution. I want to make sure that when it's all said and done, that we aren't looking down the road and focusing on palm branches when more people put coats on the ground than palms. So which are you? A chicken or a pig? Are you invested? To what level are you invested? Here's the deal. It's not going to be easy, but it is simple. Are you willing to go to the next level? Are you willing to be a pig and not a chicken? Both are good. Both honor God. Both require something on your part. It's just one requires more than the other. Would you join with me as we ask God to help us with this this morning? With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, maybe you're here today and you've never crossed that line of faith, you've never placed your faith in Christ. Today I want to invite you to consider the reality of of God's love for you, that he loved you so much that he sent his one and only son Jesus to die in your place because you were a sinner, because I was a sinner, because we're all sinners. The punishment due is death. But Christ died in my place and in your place. That if we believe in him and we confess him, we can have eternal life. Maybe you're here today and you've never crossed that line of faith, but you sense in your heart and in your gut, there's just a feeling that, you know what, that is truth and you need to accept it and embrace it. And if that's where you are today, I just invite you in the quietness and the stillness of this moment, just silently to yourself, just ask God to come and to save you. Ask God to come into your life and to be your Savior. Admit to Him that you need Him. Admit to Him that you're a sinner. And let Him know that you believe that He is who He says He is. For the rest of us, we all need to seriously look at our own personal investment and commitment. Where are we on the spectrum? And what does that look like? Are we doing good things and are we honoring him with palm branches or are we taking it to that next level and we're willing to put our coats down so that he can be ushered in so that we can say, here is our salvation.